0: There was one particular afternoon out on this mind-bending atoll and this enormous oceanic white tip shark comes up over the edge of the reef right in my face. I'm like looking at its eyeball, its pectoral fin banged against my shins. And I fall backward. my feet are up in the air and I'm like, what the f*** is going on here?
1: For those who fish, this is the Drake Cast. He was tying feathers on a hook. I'll do a hopper with a hopper dropper with a dropper hopper. The river was like a woman.
0: It could be a disco midge,
1: it could be a bead head. I'm your host, Elliot Adler. This episode of The Drake Cast is sponsored by Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. I checked in with Yellow Dog employee Camille Eggdorf to ask about one of her favorite places in the world. So I went up to Alaska to do two hosted trips for Yellow Dog. Took a couple groups up to my parents' place on the Upper Nushagak, and uh, yeah, spent two weeks targeting rainbow trout, grayling, dolly varden, you know, several different species of Pacific salmon. The state really comes alive during the summer and and it solely evolves around the salmon that are there. Being able to share that with others and and see other people light up when they see the spawning event and catch that 24 to 25 inch rainbow on a mouse and seeing the bald eagles and the bears, it's a special experience and uh, being able to share it with others is probably one of the coolest things. Like the folks at Yellow Dog like to say, there are plenty of ways to get there, but only one way to do it right. Fly fish the world with Yellow Dog Fly Fishing Adventures. This episode is also brought to you by Scott Fly Rods. I spoke with Grant Hu, the owner of St. Pete's Fly Shop in Fort Collins, Colorado, about why he trusts Scott Fly Rods. As a Scott Pro staff, honored to use the rods and fish the rods and support the company based upon a number of different reasons. Uh, First off, it's the fine craftsmanship that they do. Their rods are built with a lot of love and a lot of attention. Also, fly fishing for me is all about casting. And we talk about fine casting rods. Scott has done a wonderful job making a rod that's enjoyable to cast. Whether it's their fast rods or their slow action rods, they're, they're a pleasure to cast. But you don't have to take Grant's word for it. Head down to St. Pete's or your local fly shop and give one of these fine Scott rods a toss. A couple months ago, Tom Bai, the editor of The Drake Magazine, sent me a link to some photos that were taken on a fishing trip through Dubai and Sudan. If you picked up a copy of the summer 2017 issue of the Drake magazine, you know, the one with the big raging bear on the cover, you may have seen one of these photos. It's a two-page spread on pages 16 and 17 of some of the prettiest blue water you've ever seen, Rod doubled over, with a collection of the world's tallest buildings in the background. This photo was taken by Russ Schnitzer. I'm, I'm saving my milk money to make it happen. He's an adventure photographer and conservationist based in Denver, Colorado. But back in November, we got together for a couple beers to talk about this photo and his recent fishing trip through both Dubai and Sudan. And at this point, I should probably mention that Russ has the cover shot and a photo essay in the summer 2017 issue of the Fly Fish Journal, which is also worth checking out. Here's my conversation with Russ. So last November, we were getting ready for elk season. And
0: Matt gave me a call and he said, I want to talk to you about a trip next spring. Sudan, are you in? The first thing that went through my head was, what interest could I possibly have in going to Sudan? Like, I'm down to go most anywhere, but Sudan is a little bit of a reach. But he let his friend Matt go on. There's this live aboard converted dive boat situation. It's trigger fish, it's GTs, it's bohar snapper, dogtooth tuna, it's stuff you haven't even heard of. And it's gonna be the best, it's gonna be ultimate. And I thought,
1: well, I have to say, I'm interested. Six months later, Russ and a few of his buddies are on a plane heading to the Middle East. To get to Sudan, you got to go through Dubai.
0: Dubai is a trip in and of itself. You know, it's a fascinating place. It's 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 bizarre to us. I'm sure it makes total sense if you're an Emirati, but it it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, it's kind of like Vegas in a way,
1: only way bigger and under Sharia law. Cultural differences aside, Russ and company found something in Dubai that wasn't so unfamiliar. They'd heard of a guide named Nick Bowles, who's based in Dubai and runs fly fishing charters in the harbor. And since they were already in the area they couldn't pass up a chance to catch a big fish in the shadows of the Dubai skyline.
0: We go out into the harbor with this dude, Nick Bowles, and we motored out of the marina. There's some birds busting bait. You throw the fly out there and start stripping it as fast as you can, and you see fish all over the place, like, coming up to attack your fly. And immediately, this guy hooks up with a golden trevally. First cast. Boom. But then after that, it was was nonstop. Huge queen fish, more golden trevally, Another huge queen fish, 15 pounders, you know, really beautiful fish. They're stripping you down and making you real scream, and you're hooting and hollering. And Before you know, it's 10.30 in the morning, and it's 110 degrees, and you're, you're as hot or hotter than you've ever been. You're done fishing. All I need right now is shade and cold beer. One of the closing thoughts that Captain Nick had for us when we were out on the boat with him. Well, boys, you feel what this is like right now. This is every day in Sudan, if not worse. So, buckle up. We fly from Dubai to Port Sudan, and Port Sudan isn't the place with high rises or anything like that. It's a gritty, gritty town. The culture is immediately apparent. Women in really beautiful, colorful robes and men always in the all white. We meet our dude at the airport.
1: Their dude, meaning a local guy who had helped them set
0: this whole trip up. He puts all of our passports, like just throws them in a plastic grocery bag. Like, not even a nice plastic grocery bag, one that has holes in it. And that's the last time we see them
1: until we come back to Port Sudan. Their local contact puts Russ and company on a bus, and off they go. We're buzzing out of the city. Some Sudanese dudes
0: join us. They've got some fresh falafel and some fresh pitas, and they pass them around, and we're all having fun. And... Dramatic mountains rise to the west, and then you look on the horizon line to the east, and essentially the eastern reach of the Sahara touches the Red Sea. You can see the turquoise line of
1: the Red Sea out there. And that's where they were heading. After a few hours on the bus, they make it to the coast, where they meet up with their guides and board the boat that they'll be calling home for the next week plus.
0: It's all kind of makes your head spin, this whole transition from just being in Dubai and having this real cosmopolitan type experience to going down this really gritty highway for four hours in freaking Sudan, of all places. And now being on the edge of nothing on the Red Sea and
1: looking out there and just, oh my god, this is, this is going to be amazing. The next morning, they wake up bright and early and motored to their first fishing spot.
0: We're out on this island, the landscape there is all fossilized coral, a real red color, it's really jagged, there's no vegetation, and it drops straight off from the edge of this uh, petrified coral right down to the flat. Remember that first flat that we stopped and looked out over, as far as you could see, there was trigger fish, and you're just like, oh my God, where do you even start? well, they might as well start with trigger fish. There's maybe no more humbling fish. They'll mess with you. They'll look at your fly. They might even mouth your fly. But then they'll back off it. And then you twitch it some more, and they'll follow it up. You'll do everything right. And that fish will eat your fly, and it'll just bust your hook off. It's like, what can you do differently? The best way it was described to me is by one of the South African guides, Stu Harley. And Stu described it as, with trigger fish, every one you develop a relationship with. It's this unique give and take. And if you don't put the effort into developing that relationship with that fish, you have no chance. But you really don't have much of a chance anyway. I still can't get over it. I mean, it, they, they pissed me off so much. I had one, it, it was, everything was absolutely perfect. And this fish was hot and I got it on the fly on it on it on it and boom he ate and i set the hook just right and i hooked him right in the corner of the mouth everything was just beautiful and it was a big one it turned around 180 degrees and ran straight away from me well into my backing dove into the coral and game over you'll ask the guide, you know what do i do in that instance and he said well you either bust it off or you bust it off you did not have a chance to win. That's trigger fish, man. Thankfully, trigger fish aren't the only game going. You're throwing the nine weight for trigger fish, you've always got a strung up 12 in, in your quiver, ready to go. You're always looking, you know, maybe there'll be an Indo-Pacific permit or, or maybe a GT will come up on the flat. So there's bluefin trevally and there's emperor fish and there's non-game stuff that you're seeing, lots of sharks and I just wanted to fish for it all. Everything was just this kaleidoscope.
1: Suspension and disbelief.
0: They've only been fishing this area a very short time, so a lot of it is kind of live and learn. I was fishing close to this buddy of mine, and he hooks up with a fish, and it just takes off. Different than a trigger fish. I mean, as soon as he hooked up with it, it was gone. A smoking run. And I yell over him. I was like, what do you got there, Josh? He's like, I don't know. I think it might be a bonefish. Not just any bonefish i can say with some confidence it's some of the biggest bonefish in the world i have caught and landed weighed measured certified a 14 pound three ounce bonefish in my life this fish made that one look pedestrian it was huge it was an enormous bonefish we we saw other bonefish we saw some smaller bonefish but when i say small bonefish they were like seven, eight pounds. Those were small bonefish. The Solos, I mean, we saw one that we mistook for a GT. It was that big, and it was a bonefish. It was 20 pounds. That's, That's something special. You don't see that just anywhere.
1: Thanks to the fact that they were living on this huge boat that could go just about anywhere, they weren't stuck to the flats. The piece that still haunts me is fishing these
0: pinnacles 10, 15 miles offshore that rise abruptly up from 1,000 feet straight up. And they top out at knee-deep. It's like a giant aquarium that you're walking across. All these crazy, colorful fish swimming around your feet all the time. And you go out to the edge of these things, and
1: the guide will throw a teaser. So the guide throws a big lure way out there and gets the fish's attention. Rip it in as fast as possible. And just before
0: he gets that teaser out of the water, everybody guns a quick 20, 30 foot cast. It would be like a blessing if you hooked a GT that was between 60 and 70 centimeters, because maybe you could land that one. We had GTs come in on the teaser where the guide would be like, don't cast, don't cast. You'll never land it. It'll take your fly line. It's, it's game over. You know, when I was a kid, I dreamed about what it really meant to push the envelope of fly fishing. Like for me it was like as a kid it was muskies. That's what I experienced that busted up tackle and caused me to rethink how I did things and taught me a lot of hard lessons. But going to Sudan was like that to the nth degree. It's like put that whole thing through a kaleidoscope of like LSD. You're gonna get your ass kicked over and over and over again. It's gonna tear you apart. You're sore, you're bruised, your, your hands are ripped apart, your shins are ripped apart. It destroys equipment. You can't just crank down the drag on these massive reels and then have a fish make them squeal for 30, 45, 60 seconds. You can't expect those kind of reels to hold up. Not under that kind of torque. But you can't wait to go out the next morning.
1: The whole experience sounded pretty otherworldly. And when you compare the Sudanese coast to someplace like Deckers or the upper Madison or even Dubai, it is a different world over there. Russ left me with one final story that sums up his experience. So they're out on one of these pinnacles and the guide is throwing a teaser out there. We got our flies out there. Sure enough, we all get hooked up with GTs. Boom, boom, boom.
0: Everybody's tight. One of the guys he just doesn't have a prayer he's out on the edge of the reef and the fish is literally like pulling him over the edge of the reef one of the other guys goes over there he's still hooked up to his and he grabs the other guy by the back of the shorts and they're both fighting these gts i'm fighting mine fish dies <coughs> screaming line as i'm fighting it this enormous oceanic white tip shark comes up over the edge of the reef right in my face i'm like looking at its eyeball its pectoral fin Banged against my shins, and I fall backwards, still tight to this GT. My feet are up in the air, my rod is bouncing, and the guides like, "Russ, you need to get the hell out of the water." <laughs> and so the, the shark turns around, goes back down over the edge. My GT popped off. We all stumble back up to the island, and we're like, "Holy shit! Did did any of that happen for real?" Man, that's what Sudan's all about. It's like. You might think you're in control for a second, and then something like that happens, and it's
1: just like a completely different game. To learn more about Russ, and to see photos of his recent trip to Dubai and Sudan, go to our website, drakemag.com. Better yet, buy a copy of the summer 2017 issue of the Drake magazine. Actually, check out any issue of the Drake. Russ usually has a photo or two in there somewhere. Another option is to grab the summer 2017 issue of The Fly Fish Jerome. We don't have any field notes this week, but we do have an extra little excerpt from my time with Russ. I went to the bathroom during our conversation, and when I came out, there was a huge crowd in the lobby. Russ pointed to a man on the far side of the building and said, That's John Aikenluber, the governor of Colorado. At the time, I was new to Colorado and didn't really know anything about the guy but there are mutterings that he could be the next president of the United States.
0: I guided him to his first ever trout on a fly rod. I was actually working for the Nature Conservancy, and it was on a Nature Conservancy preserve. He was up there as a guest, and I took him fishing. I still have a picture of it. He, it was like a rainy day, and he's got like one of those like convenience store disposable ponchos on. He's holding this little trout.
1: Would he, he pleased with himself? I hope so. He's a modest guy, though, you know. He, I think he had a half smile. <laughs> well, if Luber wins the big house, we can only hope that Russ's influence as a fishing guide make the new president realize how precious our fishing resources are. But hey, until then, at least we have the great outdoorsman Donald Trump Jr., the independent Ryan Zinke, and the all-too-forceful Greg Gianforskin on our side. Tune in next week as we target some big old bows and chat about Kentucky's youngest waterway. Let's say a uh, coal company, because that's pretty common in Kentucky, wants to do some, you know, some mining and it's gonna impact the stream.
0: My forum hasn't been this sore since high school. It's giving the fish out of the river a place to come up and spawn. I mean, it's unbelievable the size and the amount of fish that
1: are coming up out of the river.
0: Oh no! Look at it. <sighs> net.
1: Thanks for listening. This has been the Drake Cast.